wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated. Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. sure you want to know the story of my life is not for the faint of heart if somebody said it was a happy little tale if somebody told you i was just your average girl not a care in the world somebody lied but let me assure you this like any story worth telling is all about a boy that boy the friendly neighborhood boy spider-man the man i've loved since before i even liked boys and then The movie picks up with Peter trying to get on the bus. So I didn't exactly have a perfect segue from there to here. But hello, welcome, (laughs) Spider fans, back into the Spider-Cast. I am your ever-present host, Ruby. And joining me today is the one and only Queen's Trash himself, Stained Haynes of 718 TV. Please, sir, introduce yourself. Thank you for having me on, Ruby. I'm glad to be here. So... Ladies and jerks at home who are listening on your phone, on your computer, at your NSA prism mm. uh, or work desk, or if you've got a Dixie cup tied to another Dixie cup through string and someone's playing the phone through that, uh, my name is Dane Haynes, and uh, I'm the gentleman behind queenstrash.com, which is a reminder the flyer to shirt pipeline is very real. Uh, I'm very one real. third of 718 TV up on YouTube, which is the the best 21st century public access television you're not watching. And uh, if you've ever seen flyers around New York City and seen someone angrily clawing it off and then the next day it's back up, you could thank me for that, right? Um, and, and reminder, reminder, shit posting in meat space is just as important as shit posting online. The same way that like, you ever notice Ruby? Insurrection in the streets is always sexy, but insurrection in the voting booth is something that people don't seem to consider these days. Yeah, honestly, it's almost like nobody has any originality anymore. Right? Both, <laughs> bo- both are like two great tastes together at last, you know? But like, mm-hmm. if you have one without the other, you're just eating peanut butter until you have trouble breathing. Uh, not, <laughs> not that I'd know anything about that. I mean, <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> So, so so today today we are discussing Spider-Man, which we I'm are. really glad for you to have me on because Spider-Man is a uh, um a, a lot of great things have came from Queens over the years, all right? Like um uh Archie Bunker, Anthrax, the Ramones, Christopher Walken, Martin Scorsese, John Favreau, Lucy Liu, if I'm not mistaken, John Gotti. I think Rakeem from Eric B and Rakeem are from uh, uh-huh. and and last but barely not least peter parker of uh peter parker is from queens and uh and i'm always delighted to see um any any iteration of queens depicted on cinema and and luckily enough spider-man i'd argue is one of the best superhero origin stories of all time committed to film absolutely right? 
now now this was years before superhero movies became cape shit formulatic things that people jump up and down and scream over because we have no shared culture so it's like uh oh here come the individualists and they're always like paunchy bearded dudes with glasses who don't ask questions but get excited and consume product and wait for next product to consume years before all that there was spider-man there was also spider-man 2 but we'll get to that some other day and then there's spider-man 3 which is the misunderstood middle finger sam raimi gave to the studio That's not dissimilar right. not dissimilar to the middle finger tom green gave to the studio with freddie got fingered i don't know um, right so so uh first first of all we have Spider-Man. So ladies and jerks, to build on what Ruby had said earlier at the intro, which uh, I hope I, I hope you have reasonable rates when giving dramatic readings, because I'm going to start like sending you copy and like <laughs> sliding it under your door uh, so I could have like, you know, I, I want to have Ruby going this summer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gladly. Uh, so um, Spider-Man is basically introverted high school student peter parker bullied as a nerd by his peers and hopelessly smitten with classmate mary jane watson is bitten by a radioactive spider while out on a field trip to a laboratory one fateful day blessed with superpowers resembling that of a spider's not too long after the incident peter transforms into spider-man soon acquiring a sworn enemy in the form of the green goblin after power obsessed millionaire norman osborne becomes the guinea pig for an experimental cocktail of turbocharged performance-enhancing drugs. Now, um, in no particular order, there are a few things about this movie I'd like to sound off on before turning this into an angry op-ed no one asked for. Of course. Uh, do you mind if I just sound off, Ruby? Feel free. Feel free. All right. First of all, um, I'd argue jokingly but semi-seriously Bruce Campbell's character, uh, the ring announcer, uh, is the most important character in the movie because he gives Spider-Man his name. In this uh, after Peter Parker gets his powers and he's got like a shoddy homemade costume, uh, uh, he goes up against a bone saw played by Macho Man Randy Savage. The one and only. Yeah. Um, and mind you, check this out. Macho Man Randy Savage is so powerful that the gods had to conspire against him to get rid of him because they gave him a heart attack while he was driving, which led to a car crash because a heart attack alone couldn't have killed Randy Savage and a car crash alone couldn't have killed Randy Savage. But both of them combined was what was necessary for Macho Man Randy Savage to enter Valhalla with an elbow drop going, Ooh, yeah, um, <laughs> because he was too strong for the mortal realm. It was um, definitely divine intervention. I can see that. Right. So, so, and, and, you know, Macho Man uh, stands out to me in the sense that, like, he was always willing to lend his persona to anything ranging from Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Um, I forget, uh, Weird Al even had a show, and, like, uh, uh, Macho Man had a wrestling match against Weird Al's hamster. And, like, it was the most dramatic thing, because every 10 minutes you're like, no, he's going to die! Oh, Macho Man's <laughs> a professional, you know? Hell, yeah. he even voiced a character in King of the Hill. Like, the, the point is... Um, Macho Man always brings Macho Man wherever he's at. So even as Bonesaw, um, he was terrifying. And if it wasn't for Spider-Man being a brokenly overpowered superhero, he would have been ripped apart in three minutes or less. Easily. So before this, before this bout, uh, Bruce Campbell's character, he's like, come on, kid, I need a name. 
and then and and Peter Parker being the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, eager young cadet. Because lest we forget, this was before Civil War. This was before <laughs> all these things. So he's still like you know wet behind the ears, uh, greenhorn, uh, not even a superhero yet, kid. So mm-hmm. you know, being dumbstruck and having that semi-shook, semi-unsure what to say look on his face, the announcer goes, "Spider-Man." And everything unfolds kind of fractals from that point forward. All right. So uh, that I think is an un, that's an unrated, that's an under discussed part of the film, I'd argue, but this is just me nitpicking. Okay. Um, Now, again, before this was a cape shit formulatic paint by numbers approach, like every single cat, well, almost every single character nails its marks. Like, um, even the actors who played um, Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And like, you know, uh, wasn't it Martin Sheen who plays Uncle Ben? Uh, Martin I Sheen plays Uncle Ben in the Mark Webb movies with Andrew oh, Garfield. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Um, so so what happens is, um, all right, take it easy, pop-up video, Ruby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so um, uh, um Uncle Ben dies, and and even the actors who play Uncle Ben and like Aunt May, like they seemed genuine, and it sort of like lent itself to like, oh, there's never an explicit reference as to what happened to Peter's mom and dad, but mm-hmm. you can clearly tell, like, okay, like his family situation, like it's idyllic, but it's not ideal, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and 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 you can't help but sympathize with this character. So like then you know, uh, for fame and glory, he wins against Bonesaw and then Uncle Ben dies at the hand of a two-bit crook. And then, well, for, like... for fame and glory, specifically for some pussy, because he just wanted to impress Mary Jane with the car. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> yes! he joined the wrestling match to get the money for a car. <laughs> so, 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 so remember, remember, kids, um, if, if, if you enter a kumite for someone for cold, hard cash uh, for pussy... Uh, you may lose a loved one whether you it's realize true. it or not. It's true. <laughs> so, that is a uh, Faustian bargain you're making. As soon as you, <laughs> as soon as your soul ties itself to that pussy, you're 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 sealing the deal. That's the blood I, ink you signed with. I, I, as soon as you have that ener- energy transfer that comes with coitus, <laughs> you release something into the ether, and something has to give. It's kind of like a three-legged <laughs> table, you know. One of those, one of those legs are getting kicked off mm-hmm. uh, as soon as you have that post-coitus afterglow, where even <laughs> if you don't smoke, you're like, "Can I get a Marlboro Red, please?" Uh, and you're and you're so classy. You're even using a coffee filter as an ashtray because it's not your first rodeo. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're you still got to give something up for this Faustian bargain, Ruby. You right, you right. So um, so uh, in no particular order. Um, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, or well, as Norman Osborn. part of this Osborne, movie. Uh, part like, of this movie, hands down. I love, I me. love how like you. Well, like it's how do you see? Because it's like yes, Peter Parker is the good guy, but like Norman Osborn is only the antagonist by virtue of him snapping and kind of losing everything. Where yeah. like he, like he, he again, like he lost everything, and he sort of becomes a guinea pig. And in the process of this, it's like, I'm not saying he became the thing. It wasn't like an arc where he became the thing he warned us about, but like he Mm -hmm. became like a warped, evil, 
like, you know, kind of like when a liberal gets mugged by reality and loses yeah. all of their liberal sensibilities. That's right. Also, a liberal, a liberal, a liberal goes on a quick vacation to NYC one time, one time, and suddenly they're pulling out the fucking skull, the skull calipers, and uh, their whole <laughs> worldview has changed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So someone, like, someone gets accosted by the black Israelites near the Greyhound bus station one time, and then suddenly they're a lifetime <laughs> NRA member, and they're like, "Fuck the poor," and like they drive by food banks screaming at the top of their head. All it takes is one bad day. Um, That's right. So, 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 uh, um, there are, and I appreciate letting me do this in no particular order. All right. No, of um, course, of course. Uh, J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson, flawless. I, iconic. I he absolutely he iconic performance. He captured the fury and indignation of get me pictures of Spider Man. Uh, and he, like, if you, okay, it's kind of like if you read the godfather after watching it for me at least my brain can't help but picture al pacino as michael corleone of course and and an older marlon brando as don vito corleone all right even james khan as sunny i can't picture anyone else other than a miniature fro open collared shirt james khan as sunny exactly so like I can't picture anyone as J. Jonah Jameson at this point other than J.K. Simmons until he, he can't phone it in anymore. He defined that performance. Now, when you read the comics, you hear his voice. When anyone performs him ever again, like in 2018, when they put out the uh, Spider-Man game on PS4, that is just a J.K. Simmons impression, the guy who plays oh, Jameson yeah. in they, that. They, and they, they, when they, they channel him. Yeah, and when they decided to bring him back, they knew they could not get away with a recast. They, if they were going to bring back Jameson, they had to bring back Simmons. Like there was no, mm. there was no alternative mm. for that. I think maybe they would have wanted to, but I, it wouldn't have worked. It's you know, it's the usual kind of cheap nostalgia bait shit. Also, but no, no, it but I, wouldn't I, have landed right. without him. But but I think but but I think part of but even. Even now, if you read the comics, they kind of draw him to resemble yeah, J.K. Simmons. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Like yeah. now, they be, so so it's so like your brain is now filling in the gaps left behind by virtue of this guy's performance. So, mm -hmm. um, oh, and real quickly, just quick correction: um, who was it that was? It wasn't uh, Martin Sheen. It was a Cliff Robertson. There you go. Mm -hmm. Cliff Robertson played Uncle Ben. So, all right, I'm back to batting a thousand. Whew. So, <laughs> um, so real quickly, um, I thought, uh, I thought that J.K. Simmons, uh, his his performance was like, I don't want to say over the top. It was the right amount of ham and cheese, like, like hamming it up and being cheesy. Like it was the to right fit the rest of the movie. It yes. fit the tone of the, the entire movie super hammy and it's great because it's done yes. with purpose. Now, 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 now I'm glad you bring this up. Excellent segue. Okay, Ruby, because the tone of the movie is like, again, it's an origin story. So after mm -hmm. he gets bit and he sort of like stumbles into his powers, if memory serves me correctly, like I think uh, right before the montage when he's working out his powers, he wakes up in the morning, he puts on his glasses and he's like super jacked. Mm -hmm. um, yeah the glasses and, he doesn't need them anymore and he's shredded yeah right and i mean like homeboy could grate cheese on any part of his body for absolutely a party trick shredder, right <laughs> so uh so then like uh like i think uh, uh yeah he's on a rooftop 
and he's trying to swing and whip and like he clearly hasn't figured it out yet but mm-hmm. like he's learning and like you know th- I, I like that's something like that reminded me of like in the original star wars movies where you see like luke struggle to learn how to use the force and the lightsaber at first mm-hmm. like he he's not some unstoppable ass kicking machine out the gate like you know kind of like a uh, jackie chan like when you yeah. see jackie chan in a movie he homeboy gets his ass kicked but like you're with him every step in the way or like john mcclane like mm-hmm. and that's part of the charm of spider-man yes he has all these uh, amazing abilities that on paper it should make him a near unstoppable opponent but like he's just a dude He's doing this without a budget, without a superhero lab. He's not best of friends with a scientist. He can't, like, it's it's not until this thing takes off that, like, now he's homies with Iron Man and all this shit, you know? Yeah. Like, like in this story, call it what you will. Like, every night he goes out in some vague attempt to avenge Uncle Ben's death, but he can't. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's, like, he's, you could either call it, like, whether he's driven by guilt or he truly is like a thankless, selfless hero. Like that's part of the beauty of Spider-Man. Like, you know, like he's not Superman tricking himself into thinking he's just some dude like Spider-Man deep down inside. He's still just some dude from Queens. He was just thrust into this ridiculous set of circumstances, you know? Yeah. The eternal message of Spider-Man kind of is that anyone anyone can be spider-man that's the whole point peter was just a kid you know in the case of the the movie it might be a bit of a stretch to call him a kid all those actors look like they're in their 30s but yeah (laughs) he's supposed to be a kid i'm sorry to interrupt i'm sorry to interrupt movie but it's kind of like when you see something like now as i'm older i'll see 90210 and you've got like 20 and 30 year olds in high school it's Mm -hmm. like these are not kids like what is this that's something I didn't notice when I watched this when I was younger, but you know, by now everybody who's grown up with it kind of realized these people are old looking. That's kind of why, like, that's something I realized is as the progression of the Spider-Man franchise has gone on, each Spider-Man has gotten younger. And as a result, his aunt and uncle have gotten younger because mm. Aunt May and Uncle Ben are ancient in this movie. They're old because Peter already looks like he's in his late 20s. And then you get to the Andrew Garfield ones and he looks younger. So now Aunt May and Uncle Ben look middle-aged. And then you get to the new movies where half of the joke is that Aunt May is hot now. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. older. Everybody's older in these movies, which kind of, kind of like the movie kind of rushes through the high school sequence, which kind of makes sense. He's graduated high school before like this movie's even halfway over because I don't, they couldn't have pulled that <laughs> off for very long. Yeah. And, and, um, and, uh, and I think I, uh, all right, I'm glad, I'm glad you bring this up because like, I think one of the reasons they did that is to like exacerbate the escapism of mm-hmm. well, not, not exacerbated. Like what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like to propagate or to multiply? Uh, come on, Ruby. You're smart. Uh, Help me I out think here. exacerbate was fine or maybe no exacerbate. has got like a negative connotation. Like, right. To, right. uh, fuck. Um, enhance, I guess, to enhance the escapism of it all, that would work. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. So, so like, uh, thank you. So, so, to enhance the escapism of this movie, they have to get rid of the fact that, like, 
Aunt May has gray hair and hard lines on her face because mm-hmm. she's clearly a senior citizen. Like, mm-hmm. but 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 it's hard not to be vindictive at the new Spider-Man, where it's like, like, listen, uh, okay, I know this is audio only, and you can't screen cap this, but screen cap this. You're okay. gonna see people trying to pass off thirty being the new, fifty being the new thirty. Watch. <laughs> mark my words um in fact in fact uh can i can i sound off ruby please all right the 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 2020s and the 2030s will be a painful drudgery of trying to process the anxieties of millennial women aging out of the dating market and if you thought the boomer 50 is the new 30 was bad you ain't seen shit yet ladies and jerks i need you all to picture Think sex in the city with the cynicism, snark, and pure coke turned up to 12, okay? That whole Aunt May being hot as shit, that disturbed me on a level that I had a hard time articulating until <laughs> like a little while ago, getting ready for this podcast, all right? So mm-hmm. um, this is within the wider context of the American dream being repurposed to the global cosmopolitan consumer dream, where it's a studio apartment in a hip neighborhood, drinks with the girls or boys, Tinder filling every moment of downtime and its collision with the unavoidable ravages of time. But women have more disposable income compared to men, which is a trend which will accelerate even as overall disposable income declines. So they'll be the main ones getting their neurosis catered to and amplified as men will just get their steady drip of unisex American man movies. And when a younger generation comes around, the one it follows usually gets over themselves. This won't happen with millennials for two reasons. One, millennials are the last generation that will inherit the wealth of boomers. So in millennials, 40s and 50s, they'll get a huge boost to their disposable wealth, capitulating them back to prominence. And number two, getting over yourself requires something to move on to. Adulthood has been dismantled. It's all perma-adolescence now. There are just those who are at the prime age for it and those who aren't, and the latter will stew in resentment forever. In conclusion, Aunt May being a hot milf is a sign of the times, and that is my uh, articulation of the sign of the times. Back to you in the newsroom, Ruby. <laughs> That's your thesis. Yeah, it's uh, you can you can track society's like progressive decline through the Spider-Man franchise but by how the... hot Aunt May is. Yeah. <laughs> also also no no, you're right you're fucking right ruby because hear me out like the spider-man trilogy of movies let's be forget it's a trilogy the uh uh, uh, the first one in 2002 is the origin story spider-man 2 where it's like doc ock is the villain Mm -hmm. um that's sort of like spider-man in top form he's now like officially spider-man all right Mm -hmm. um and then spider-man 3 of course is sam raimi's um, uh, opposite of a love letter to the studio that 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 kind of he made them money and they propped him up as something more than a horror director. The point is, like in in these movies, you start to see elements and foreshadowing, like uh, like James Franco's character in Spider Man. Like he ends up playing uh, a role as the story unfolds through the three films. So even something as so simple as like setup and payoff which seems to be missing in like some TV shows and movies these days. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how something before the Marvel franchise was a thing, a movie studio's attempt to make a superhero movie had simple things like foreshadowing, 
payoffs, <laughs> cause and effect. Uh, like it's so so you know to, to see like to see all these things play out, and then the passage of time makes it feel like they're no longer present. You uh, you've got a great point, Ruby. It's not just how hot Aunt May is, but like. The quality of the Spider-Man films is indicative of like, no, the quality of the Spider-Man films are like the check engine light in the car of America. All right. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I remember when the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies came out, it was like, eh, like, I don't know how to feel about this, but parts of it are cheeky, but it feels like driving a shitty car with a beautiful paint job and an amazing sound system. You know, like uh-huh. I'm, I was still kind of on the fence about it, and like I, it, it wasn't. And then it's like the newest Spider-Man movies. I, 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 I just it doesn't. It all these layers and all these caveats kind of remind me of like you know uh, this is indicative of the day. Damn it! You know what, Ruby? You need to patent this. Um, the the, the Spider-Man. Uh, okay, you ever seen you ever seen the movie PCU? PCU. I have not. Yes. Okay. There's a character in the movie named Pigman, all right? And his, his thesis is that no matter where you are in America, there was always a TV channel playing a Gene Hackman movie and a TV channel playing a Michael Caine movie. And he called it the Caine-Hackman theory, all right? And, mm-hmm. and his entire thesis just revolved, his research just revolved around him sitting on the couch watching TV all day, confirming his theory. And then one day there's like, uh, I, I forget the name of the movie, uh, but like it's a movie with both Michael Caine and Gene Hackman on it. And that's when he's like, this proves my thesis right. I could finally stop watching TV. So like <laughs> so, so 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 the same way his the, the same way the Kane Hackman theory was absolved by time and the same way Castro once said history will absolve me. Ruby will be absolved with the Spider-Man American backdrop landscape theory. All right, it's ladies true. and jerks. Um, it's true. So they're gonna your- uh, they're gonna keep making these because he's the most popular superhero in the world, and each one will progressively reduce itself down until until we're left with uh, we'll be looking out on the smoldering ruins of New York City and standing <laughs> in the ruins of one of the buildings with the last scraps of electricity coursing through the city's veins it's going to be powering a television playing the newest Spider-Man on a loop as our society <laughs> finally collapses in on itself it's about you know what? Better Spider-Man than most superheroes I could think of. Yeah, at um, least. And, 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 and while we're at it, you, you do bring up a good point how um, he is the most beloved superhero in the sense that, like, even in Japan, like, Spider-Man is used to shill phone cards, toilet paper, mm-hmm. uh, feminine hygiene products. Like, we, we forget that, like, all right, something like Hello Kitty is cute, but we forget that, like, in Japan, and you could order it from Japan. You could get, like, Hello Kitty tampons, Hello Kitty massage wands. You know, mm-hmm. there are even like Sailor Moon prophylactics available. So, like, think of what Spider Man isn't available on in America. He's available on in Japan. Like, he's kind of, in fact, um, whenever, whenever Monoxison, cameraman, and I film outside, it's mm-hmm. always amazing how my, all right, Queens is the most ethnically diverse county in America, which is where the Spider Man uh, tale. Like takes place because well insofar as that's where peter parker is from okay mm-hmm. so queens is the most diverse county in these united states okay 
So let's say Monox's cameraman and I are filming outside. Nine times out of 10, the default thing people reach for is where, like, excuse me for saying, unintelligible immigrant speak, Spider-Man, <laughs> unintelligible immigrant speak. And they point that, like, mind you, cameraman looks like uh, someone from the residence, like a giant uh -huh. eye, but with a sentient humanoid form, like arms, legs, and torso, but uh -huh. with a giant eyeball, and he's got a red cape. And even though the cape is supposed to be more like DC cape shit or like superhero, like uh, like Superman kind of stuff, mm -hmm. the first thing they think of is Spider-Man, all right? Uh, maybe because Mysterio has a fishbowl for a head and maybe cameraman kind of looks like Mysterio, I don't know. Yeah, you can make the connection. But, but like, uh, um, like Spider-Man, even people who have zero frame of reference to superheroes Spider-Man is one of the first things their mind will reach for. So Spider-Man, kind of like how the woman who does the voice for Marge Simpson for The Simpsons, like she's been doing it for like 30-something seasons now, and you could even hear her voice break with every line she says. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the woman is held in the, in the sound booth at gunpoint. Spider-Man <laughs> movies will be held at gunpoint. Uh, if if uh, if not for the sake of being able to gently tell America where we stand, like it's not until Spider-Man starts bringing up eight gallon eight dollar gallons of milk, will uh, will uh, chop out will, will chopo dirtbag uh, 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 chinless worms and their awful <laughs> reptiles with nice hairdo <laughs> girlfriends be like, um, actually, sweetie, it's seven dollars and eighty three cents, not eight dollars. <laughs> but, when... but if you wrap. But if you round up, it's eight dollars. You know that you know we're done for when, when the Spider-Man account tweets about supply chains, because then the world will implode. You can't, you can't. <laughs> they, they'll have to go against it. You know. Oh my god! You know, you, you know what's gonna happen? Well, I'll check this out, Ruby. Uh, which, mind you, like, like, like one thing about the modern day cape shit that I don't understand is how like these people have no scruples, and we're like, Stan Lee died. And after he passed away, whoever was in charge of his account used his account to shill Captain the Captain Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I'm waiting for the day where like Stan Lee's account is, you know, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Excelsior! Milk is now eight dollars a gallon. <laughs> true believers, like, like it's not Fuck. until that's what, fucking what? bleak. <laughs> 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 and like, and you're gonna see like CGI Stan Lee for for like you know, um, like when the Soviet Union fell, like uh, 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 people in Cuba during the special economic period were given like a booklet of instructions how to like stretch out like household things. So imagine mm -hmm. like a CGI Stan Lee being like, uh, like, hey, if you add water to whole milk, you've got half milk for another week, and you're gonna have like a CGI Stan Lee trying to Fuck. soothe people to like you know and it's like hey are you making omelets without adding milk or eggs to them you can make it stretch out longer than they have to and it's like how often do you throw away food you don't eat come on do i have to tell you this and then you see like people eating at a restaurant leaving food behind and like a big x over it and it's like listen they're just gonna throw it away and then throw that away and not give it to the homeless so why shouldn't you be eating it and then you have like Brooklynite, like a uh, 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 Brooklynite's going like, yeah, Uncle Stan, we should do that <laughs> with our self-righteousness. And then you have these like, you know, these paunchy bearded assholes and their shitty polycule with their fucking like stained Thor shirt 
thinking they're doing the right thing because a uh, comic book grandpa told them what to do instead of common fucking sense. Yeah, Ruby, it's going to be bleak. Just you wait. Just Jesus you wait. Fucking Christ. What an image. What a picture has <laughs> been painted. Fucking all the screens in Times Square light up with the fucking deep fake Stanley to tell you it's your fucking bedtime. Right. <laughs> go get your state allotted milk supply and go to bed. Jesus um, Christ. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it's and and remember, true believers, you gotta earn those treats. You can't just have them. Like, <laughs> like mm. watch watch a CGI Stan Lee have a parrot, and the parrot's like, Polly want a cracker. And he's like, but you have to earn the cracker, parrot, you see? And then he turns to the camera. The same way you true believers have to earn your treats. Watch. Like, this is this is the future we're heading to. <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, Jesus. So oh, God. Uh, uh, while, while we're on topic, because I appreciate you letting me run my mouth with no particular, uh. Uh, no particular order to go with, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Queens is the most ethnically diverse county in America. And I think that's kind of reflected in like the newer Spider-Man movies where like, hey, like uh, Peter Parker's best friend is like Filipino question mark. Like, I don't know. He, he's a tan skin Asian kid. Which, I think which, he's you, Hawaiian. I think which, the you, I, Hawaiian. <laughs> Samoan? Okay, okay. No, 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 no. Because like, listen, Ruby. Like, okay. In fact, I'll go so far as to be like, hell. That could simply be a dark-skinned Chinese or Korean person because, mm-hmm. like, dark-skinned Chinese, Japanese, and Korean people exist. There are people in Japan who, like, you could mistake them for being Native American because, mm-hmm. like, because of the Asiatic eyes and, like, the hatchet-carved-out cheekbones. And chances are they're probably, like, the Anyu people and not the Nipponese people. Like, people often don't take into consideration that, like, when you think of China, there's like 50-something ethnic groups. It's just that Han is the most predominant ethnic group. I mean, right. I think one of the easiest examples people can come up with are like the Uyghurs because like, you know, they're in internment camps. And mm-hmm. they're also like, you know, um, being bred out of their bloodline. And they're treated as persona non grata. And the uh, Xinjiang province is sort of like a testing ground for tin pot dictatorship shoddy tier surveillance state measures to be implemented for the rest of the country you know kind of uh-huh. like how kind of like how california is like a petri dish for terrible policies to be a testing ground before implemented to the rest of the country yeah that's Xinjiang province but for china so that being said um peter parker's filipino best friend <laughs> can easily be um <laughs> malaysian thai burmese Cambodian, Loatian, um, probably some uh, child of a, a mixed race child from Singapore. We, we can go know. with Korean. That's the character he's the character he's based on is Korean. So. Ah, okay, okay. So, so he's okay. So, so uh, this is this is a, a living example of uh, diversity in Queens. But I'd like to point something out, Ruby. Diversity as a lived experience is different than diversity as a policy. You see, um, if uh, Robert Putnam is anything to say about this, wait, is it Seth Putnam or Robert Putnam? I don't want to fuck this up. Give me, give, give me mm-hmm. a second. Hold on. Bowling Alone. Okay. <laughs> uh, by uh, Robert Putnam. Okay. By the way, Robert Putnam, who won a Nobel Prize for his studies detailing how diversity 
lowers every quantifiable metric value of quality of life measurement. He won a Nobel Prize for this. And when people discuss diversity, it's always music and food, you know, or at least that was always the talking point. Like it was so weird to see Chomsky honks and painfully white people on Twitter be like, it's hella diverse. And it's like, yeah, that that means nothing beyond music and food to you. So, so you know, um, the reason Queens works as the most ethnically diverse county in the nation is because, surprise, everyone kind of keeps to themselves. Like, and and on top of that, like, take take um, take Astoria for example. Okay, that's where I live. Astoria is a predominantly Greek neighborhood. Now, Greeks are a little they're a very ethnocentric people meaning they're really hard up on their identity where you almost never see it's not often to see greeks marry outside of their own you know what i mean because sure. like because the greek identity is based off of like the greek orthodox church the language the culture the family unit uh, spot, uh holding disdain and grinding a gax against turks you know <laughs> kind of like how like um uh, Koreans, I, I don't know about California, but at least here in New York, Koreans almost never marry outside of their own. In fact, like Koreans tend to be pushed into marriages arranged by their parents, kind of, sort of. And mm -hmm. like, unless they're super westernized, like Koreans and Indians almost never marry outside of their own. However, the women almost always go for white boys. Um, and, uh, and I think that's funny. I'm just going to put a pin on this for a second so I can exercise something, Ruby. Okay. When I was younger in my twenties, I used to see like, cause like, I'm Greek and Ecuadorian. All right. So like, um, I've been mistaken for things I don't have subtitles for, but like, and that's fine. Like, but I think it's funny how like race is a difficult thing to, I don't want to say compartmentalize, but like the point I'm trying to make is this in my twenties. I'd see like um, like a white dude and a not white woman on the train, you know, like Latina, Indian, uh, Asian. And I used to immediately, my mind would be like, yeah, bro, I like the food and I like the music. I don't know about everything else, bro. And like, mm -hmm. and, and I, I was, I was a disgusting piece of shit in my twenties. No one ever believes me that like, if I saw me in my twenties in public, I'd fucking throw hands at them on, on sight. <laughs> no one, I would be throwing chairs at this guy. I didn't stop spurging out in public until I was like 27, 28. I used to like, I'd see like a white dude and like, I see like a white dude, let's say like with, with like an Indian woman. All right. I'd be mm -hmm. like, yeah, bro. And mind you, like, I'm about to get off my stops. So I, I'm not just standing up saying this and sitting back down and reading my book. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not that insane. I, I, I would set this up when my stop was coming up, okay? Right. So my stop is coming up and I'd be like, yeah, bro. I like the food and I like the women. I don't know about everything else. And before his um, diversity hire girlfriend can take this in, I'd be like, yeah, you got you the ultimate handbag, a white boy handbag. Watch out. Your friends are probably planning on uh, cutting his head off, stuffing it and mounting it on their wall. Because unless they have a white boy like you, like you're always going to be the object of scorn and jealousy. Right. And I'd walk out and like I you would feel set like a, this up. Yeah, How often? I would feel like, like every such time a self. I just I would just wake up. I would I most of my 20s consisted of waking up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> um and and i would be oh my god i used to be like yeah he's cheating until i used to say things like yeah he's cheating until like i remember like okay 
I, I, I saw a couple and it was like, uh, I, I noticed she was speaking Urdu, which meant she was Pakistani, mm -hmm. meaning she's not Indian, meaning she's not Hindu. So like there was this, um, um, there was this like Pakistani woman uh, like talking on the phone and like she looked like she was on a date or like with a white guy. But mm -hmm. like, she was talking with this guy and she had a slight accent. She's like, oh, I'm very sorry. I have to take this call. And she took the call for 20 seconds and hung up. I heard her speak Urdu. So now I'm already thinking, oh, he's getting that forbidden Muslim pussy, huh? Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay. I, so, so, uh, um, so my stop is about to get off and I'm like, bro, you'll never marry her unless you convert because Muslims are really hung up on that. Uh, also, um, you could do better until you realize you don't have to convert and you could just marry some Hindu woman that has that entertains some fantasy about getting colonized by a gray eyed Brit. So if you have a British accent, you could just fucking give every Indian bitch a hot foaming beef injection and they'd never say no. And just and I was I, I it was fucking terrible. Oh God, like I and, can imagine. I, I used to say things like, Yeah, girl, love's blind until a mixed race baby dies in a wait list for a bone marrow or organ transplant. Ooh, oh. Like it was like, Yeah, girl. Oh my get god. Get yours. Get yours. Your bleach your babies. Mm -mm. You're a fucking um, animal. I was well, it doesn't hurt being six one and having broad shoulders because like, <laughs> oh, and if you wear a shirt and tie in public, you can get away with almost anything wear a suit and tie in public oh my god you could tell okay like one time one time uh i was on my way to a job interview and like a guy bumped my shoulder and i was i was on edge that day and i remember screaming at the top of my lungs i hope you have two beautiful children you watch get hit by a fucking truck after they beat brain cancer and like For bumping into you i just i was i was like he he knew better like he was on his blackberry this was years ago he was uh -huh. on his BlackBerry. He looked up, made eye contact with me, and did not change course, even though he could have easily scooched to the left or scooched right. to the right. And in my mind, I'm like, no, you deserve everything bad to happen in someone's life for that. You like Because something I have a hang-up over, Ruby, is when someone knows better, but they don't do better. I can't tell you how much of like that, I, that drives me up the wall to the point I orbit back to the fucking floor. All right. Um, I because like some some things I I refuse to let my brain attempt to scale the wall over. Like mm -hmm. like like if someone knows better and they don't do better, I I can't I can't I, I, like do they have a learning disability? Are they on meds? Like are are they brain damaged? Then I could understand how that's possible. But like or like or like giving credit where credit is due. Like if you don't give credit where credit is due, I I. I just like that's just weird and selfish and obtuse and like shitty and fucked up. So like um when someone knows better but they don't do any better, like the guy made eye contact with me and went back to doing clickety clack with his thumbs on a blackberry and I'm trying my hardest on this crowded busy like street to make room and like evidently life starts and stops at his convenience so I gave him a piece of my mind. Um, now, mind you, like, uh, for the next two minutes, I'm like, you're going to get arrested. Like, someone is going to be like that crazy man in the blue pinstripe suit said the ugliest thing I've ever heard in my life. And then, like, two minutes later, I remember as if, like, with the crisp timber of an airline captain, as if someone had control, uh, control V, 
you know, paste it into my head. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude, you're wearing a suit. You could get away with almost anything if you wear a suit in public. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Guiding voice in my head uh, that Socrates was killed for. Hell yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I would always make sure to like, oh boy, like now, now I have better outlets like exercise instead of like yelling at strangers on the fucking train or the bus. And like, mm-hmm. it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't like, I think once you throw hands with a stranger, like more than once, you're, you, that, that doesn't scare you anymore. Like it doesn't like, cause like, yeah, I'm not espousing the virtues of violence, but like, um, most people don't move unless like that's on the table. So like, um, like, like if there's a guy who like asks you like, yo, what the fuck you looking at? And it's like, all right, like we could take this outside the train, but you know what I was looking at. There's no answer I could tell you that won't respond to you getting tight. I've now replied to you. So like we could, we could skip all the steps. Like yeah. what, like what, what trophy do you get out of this? Or like, you know, now I've learned to, to rather than just go for the throat, just like, you know, like, like let's say someone's upset in public, just be like, oh, I love your energy. And they never know how to respond to that. Or like, oh, like, oh, you, you seem mad. You should put on a cape so you could be super mad. And then if people on the train are laughing at them, I've already won. You don't even have to be right in public discourse. Just get the audience to laugh and you've won. So like, I, I, it's, it, Ruby, I've gotten better. Don't worry. It's just that like my biggest beef was always with like, and again, like interracial couple dynamics in public are always weird because like, of course people are going to look. It's fucking like a contrast of colors and negative space, you know? <laughs> On a visual level, how are you not supposed to look, first of all? Second of all, like, it's a different dynamic when it's a white dude and a black woman compared to a black dude and a white woman because, like, you could immediately tell the looks on people's faces like, Ay, mira, abuela no encanta eso negro con esa muchacha blanca. But if it was like, but if it was like, oh, because if she sees that, she's like, oh, pero mira que cuerpo. you know, that's exactly uh-huh. what she says. But if it's like a white dude with a black woman, she's like, get yours. Don't marry her. But yeah, get yours. I know it's exactly a different dynamic. I know you've seen this happen, Ruby. I've seen <laughs> this happen. I've lived it, all right? So like, um, but like, it's, oh, but whenever I see like a white dude with a non-white woman, I can't help but think, like, first of all, I've seen gorgeous, gorgeous Asian and black women settle for less in the white man department, which is so sad. It's like, damn, I mean, isn't, girl. Isn't that kind of like an eternal story, though, that gorgeous women will settle for, like, lesser men a lot of the time? Um, that's a thing. It, it's a pretty common well, thing. Well, I don't think that's well, a well, mixed race exclusive thing. Oh, no, 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 no. But, like, uh, but I tend, uh, but, but. It isn't a race exclusive thing, but I tend to see it within the dynamic of race more often than some honky bitch settling for less in the honky man department. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. all right. So like, um, like uh, I remember an ex of mine, she went to Mount Holyoke and one of her classmates was this like tall Amazonian Latina that ended up being like a newscaster. And mm-hmm. like she settled for like some schlubby five four egg with a with a smaller egg for a head, and uh, it's hard to say why. But his family owns a vineyard, so I think I know the answer. Um, <laughs> it's a, and, and when you see them in public, she straight up like you could see him roll his eyes and just take it. When she just kind of like puts him in her, put, she puts him in his place 
and acts like she's the boss of the relationship. And he's like, no, I nebbish and my wife is hot. And I, I climb her like a jungle boy looking for coconuts. And, <laughs> and she yells at me and she shushes me and I sit there and take it. Go. And like, that's that's the look on his face every time he existed when I saw him. <laughs> so um, like, but 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 like she was she was like she was like uh, like this six foot tall, like Colombian woman that was like, God damn. And he was like, wow, like fucking Hank from accounting. <laughs> it was so weird. So like I, I it's so weird to see like and, and at least here in New York City, you can't help but like be like, OK, she's looking to sink her claws into him because like she looks like a gorgeous melanated queen in her, in her 20s. And that's like a paunchy white guy in his 30s. How many meaningful conclusions can I draw from that, Ruby? Especially when she's doing the you so good to me, daddy pose where like she has both of her arms around one of his arms, her head slightly tilted, resting against him at a uh, waiting for the don't walk light to, to become walk him standing there going like, yeah, I'm king shit a fuck mountain, even though it's very clear that like, bro, you look like you were old enough to babysitter and fucking capitalized on it like a creep, you know, <laughs> like how many. How many? Yeah, you two totally didn't meet through uh, fucking Ashley Madison. Like, yeah, you, you're totally not paying her a monthly allowance so she could live her life with idyllic vacation photos through a three by three grid and a dinky lens and a gaudy filter. Like, no, it, this totally isn't some sort of beneficial arrangement where women look for men who are generous on the Internet. This totally isn't that. And she loves him for his personality. That's exactly what it is every single time. All right. Every single time you see that money is like, how come the fuck on Ruby? What other meaningful conclusions can I draw from this? And, and, I'm, and I'm not making this an exclusive black woman on white, um, white dude thing. What the fuck am I supposed to think when like I remember I went to high school uh, with this girl who came over from Taiwan and she was just like she looked better without makeup, wearing fucking sweatpants and like bummy shoes than most women did dressed to the nines and with makeup. So I remember when I was like 20 years old, I was working full time, going to school nights and weekends. And I see her on a date with a guy who looks old enough to be a professor with tenure. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's just totally normal for like immigrant women to go out with dudes who have citizenship three times their age. It's, it's normal. That happens all the fucking time. And I'm the weirdo, right? Like, come on, what, what fucking meaningful conclusions? Am I? Oh, great. Uh, okay. So I guess I have to round it out with an Indian and a Muslim and a, no, I already covered Latina. I got to cover the Indian and I got to cover a Muslim version of a uh, woman of color seeking out white men old enough to be her, her, her abuelo. All right. Like, what if they're I'll, not I'll, older? What if the white guy's their age? Oh, and he just has some fucking curious case of Benjamin Button aging shit going on. What the fuck are you getting at, Ruby? <laughs> like, what if, what if it's just a mixed race couple that's the same age and there's no weird age component? Oh well, now, now, now we get to the piece de resistance, okay? Because now I'm older, Ruby, and now I see like whenever I see like a like a mixed race couple, all I think of is. I hope they're good to each other. I hope they're good for each other. But honestly, I just hope they're happy. Like that's that's all I could hope for at this point. That's a nice Be character arc. Because like that's I can't you. 
because like like I had like Ruby. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know to what degree you could speak on this, but like, all right. I, I I'm Greek and Ecuadorian, and like I I I'm like if I were to walk through East New York or parts of the South Bronx, I'm mm -hmm. whitey until I open my mouth. Because once I open my mouth, it's, you know, compromiso, pero donde esta la estación del tren? Ay, la estación, estas dos calles en esa dirección. Ay, gracias, Mima. Ay, igualmente. Like, all right, yeah. but, until, but until that weapons, I'm, I'm, I'm a white boy. Especially, and even through the eyes of an ethno-narcissist, people who could only see the world through black and not black, I'm white to them. You know? Yeah. Which is weird because, like, all right, let's put a pin on this. Uh, one time I, I got kicked out of a dinner party um, because I wouldn't stop talking about the obvious and this disgusting piece of shit had the nerve to be like, your grandparents are the reason my grandparents had to drink from different water fountains. And I'm like, my mom's Ecuadorian, my dad is Greek. I'm really interested in hearing how either Greece or Ecuador contributed to the plight of African Americans. Oh, well, light speed backpedaling. And I'm like, yeah. That's nice. That's nice. You can only see the world through the lens of black and not black. Oh, great. Oh, are you going to tell me you could trace your lineage to the descendants of kings in Egypt? That's cool. Who's your dad? Oh, I'm being asked to leave now? All right, thanks. The fucking three bean dipped suck and I pissed in your sink. Fucking jokes. So anyways. I, uh, I can't imagine how suddenly going on a rant about Hotep ideology would get you kicked out. I, I couldn't, oh, I couldn't it's, see it's, it. It's amazing, right? Um, so, 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 so what happens is um, uh, uh, in my experience, there have been times where like, all right, like I went out with a, I went out with a lady who was a black and Puerto Rican, which depending where you come from, that's usually Dominican. Hi, oh, all right. All right. So I was going out with this girl who was black and Puerto Rican. And um, I remember when I was out and about with her. First of all, black dudes would look at me and either give me that, oh, yeah, nod of approval, like, yo, get your son. Or like, <laughs> okay. or, they, or, or they'd give me this look like, yo, why are you stealing our women? All right. Then black women would look at me and give me that look like, what she got that I ain't got, you know? Uh -huh. Especially if there was like a visual, because like, like she was like, she was short, but like, you know, she was in the damn department and where like she looked like she was in she looked like the she looked like the webmaster of ghettobooty.net uh <laughs> and she had and she had gravity okay. she had gravity defying breasts so like all men would turn their heads and the occasional woman so like you know like black so 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 if like a tall lean beautiful black woman would look at me she'd be like what she got that I ain't got. And I'm like, stop competing. I like her. She's good to me. Um, and, and then like black men would either look at me and be like, yo, get your son. Or like, why are you stealing our women? Then, then other races would look at me and be like, ah, so you settled for a black girl, huh? And like a weird disdain cross-eyed look. Or sometimes you'd see like white dudes or like white women look at me and be like, oh, so you, you, you settled down. You settled for, not settled down, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, bro, you don't even know me. Like, and you're gonna. Like, and then, and it wasn't until that happened that I realized, oh, I shouldn't have been yelling at white dudes with their interracial girlfriends on the fucking train. This is what it's like. The circle yeah. is complete. Now you're the white dude. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
yours for me. <laughs> I so- had I had that because like for the longest time I'm I am the white person in like the all Hispanic groups every time where I work I my my job consists of two Brazilians a Honduran two Colombians um, a Nicaraguan guy like all sorts of South American people I'm Cuban. But I, I remember getting into a discussion with them around the time of the Floyd riots and shit. And I was trying to make my point being the lib shit commie that I am. And they told me that, like, I'm not allowed to disparage police because I'm, like, white. And they were, I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, look at how you talk. Like, listen to you. You're white. You go anywhere, someone's going to call you white. I'm like, okay. But then white people do kind of like have the, the opposite impression. I'm very obviously Hispanic to white people. And and then I have my mom <laughs> who like disparages me from being with anyone who isn't Hispanic, but like in not a racist way, but you know, and you know, I just want to be able to talk to them. Mira, mija, yo tengo que poder hablar con ellos. Si yo, mm. si yo tengo que parar y traducir todo lo que estoy diciendo, no lo voy a poder hacer. And so, you know, that's her, that's her subtle way of doing it. But then like, if I find a black Hispanic girl that I liked, that would not be so cool like mm, <laughs> the race the way we the racial lenses that are that are put over us by our own it's very oh, weird yeah. but some of it some of it is cultural conditioning too because yeah. like again like you know like i remember all right like two okay um uh real quick story uh well two quick stories if you don't mind like a buddy of mine is um uh, a buddy of mine is cuban all right mm-hmm. and um Kind of like, you know, with Puerto Rican families, his family kind of, I, I not, not every Cuban family is like this. Not, of course, not every Latino family is like this, but like he had a family reunion once and I went and it looked like a fucking episode of Mario. Who's the father? Cause I saw like 1159 PM black Cubans in the same mm-hmm. room as brawny paper towel man looking Cubans. Yeah. And they, and, and, and then like Colorados, there was one dude who had like his grandma was Chinese so he kind of had like the chinky eyes, you know, mm-hmm. um, even though like he had like tan skin and was speaking and he was like kicking everyone's ass in dominoes. The point is um, two things about this, uh, about, uh, about this like family function that stood out to me. All right. One, um, they were they were watching olympic exhibition matches of like volleyball all right because between the olympics there are like you know matches and tournaments and whatever between like you know uh countries all right Mm -hmm. so it was um the the like the cuban basketball team versus uh no no it was the american basketball team versus someone else now mind you there are like basically from the outsider's eyes wow this room is full of blacks and latinos and whites even though it's basically a Cuban family function and I'm the only outsider. All right. Yeah. So, uh, the, the U S team, you know, it, it has, it's predominantly black. So someone in the room goes, but yeah. and someone goes and someone goes, and the room kind of collectively went. Yeah. Kind yeah, of nodded up and dude, down. Dude, you literally just described one of my fucking family functions, bro. I have <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty pale and white 
er culturally because I'm like the most Americanized person in my family. Um, my mom and my dad are both white Cubans. My brother is black because his mom is black. He has a different mom than me. Mm-hmm. And then my sisters are white and, you know, their mother's white. And then my dad's mom is like light skinned brown. And my dad's dad is kind of darker skinned, but he's like a, like a dark brown kind of Latino kind of, you know, color. Mm, a, a little, and, a little darker than Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, like at, at best that he's just shy of anyone in the family, lovingly call him, calling him mulatico, you know, um, I have a, I have a, what is she? My niece. Or no, my cousin. I have a cousin who they call her Morenita because her dad's black. And so she's mm. black. And we have this whole mix of people. And basically the same shit will happen. Some They'll be watching sports. Most of the team is black. Somebody will be like, there's a lot of black people on that team. Somebody will go, yeah, but don't they play sports better than us? And everyone yeah. just goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, and listen, like, like that, that we're okay okay so 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 that outright openness about it okay three hours later i'm outside and and my okay so like okay in so many words my friend jonathan like the guy who invited me he was like yo you want to go see a man about a horse and i'm like hell yeah which was his way of going like you want to go smoke a joint um and you know like uh my friend jonathan disclaimer loves smoking weed after a long day of smoking weed all right. Mm-hmm. So um, we go outside and like, you know, we smoke a joint and like, you know, like I always have like clear eyes on me. So like, you know, we do it up with the clear eyes and we have a cigarette to mask the smell of Cypress Hill on us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we walk around the block and do this. And as we're walking back, you know, um, a couple of family members in dysfunction are waiting for their ride home. All right. And this is like the this is uh, the brawny paper towel contingency. OK. Uh, the part of the family that straight up looked like honkies with like blue and green eyes and auburn hair. In fact, right. one girl had like curly red hair and freckles. And I, oh, my, uh, I, I had a heart attack looking at her every time. She was just, just but, but out of her mouth. But oh, you mean, porque I was just like, marry me and stab me in the arm with a fork. Would you have a dream that I cheat on you? Please, please. <laughs> please um so um so the 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 honky contingency you know or at least part of it they were waiting for a ride home so uh jonathan and i like we're finishing our cigarette while you know we're making small talk with them and uh, and a couple walks by and it's this like really 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 pretty white girl with like blue eyes and curly black hair and she's with this like tall, handsome black guy, like not like muscular, muscular, but like a swimmer's body, you know. Mm-hmm. And, they're walk- and you could tell they're on a first date because like, you know, he's just, you know, like she's got her head kind of tilted up, like trying to figure him out. But like, she's got a smile on her face, you know, mm-hmm. and like he's just talking, not even realizing that like she's either trying to figure him out or she, 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 he, she is eating out the palm of his hand. But you know that look when you see a couple on a date and she's kind of looking up at him and like 
you you're not quite sure if like she's already bought into his bullshit entirely or if she's like falling prey to him you know what i mean yeah i don't mean prey in a bad way but like it, 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 maybe it was the joint but you know jonathan and i were looking at it and it was like one of those oh like the people are still trying <laughs> people are still going out on dates and like look at them like he 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 looks like he's in his natural element. There's like his body language is free and loose, and she's got like both arms around his arm, looking up at him. And I just hope. And in my head, I'm like, you know, I just hope. And to my left, I hear. Pero voy a mira que puerco. Mm. And it's like, bro, oh, did you not? Did, did did you not like? So it's okay with your family, but outside the family, it's not. What the fuck? Like, and I I, I couldn't. It took me the rest of the evening to wrap my head around that, you know, like yeah. that's so. So I've always been fascinated at how like the dynamic of race within Latinos. But maybe, you know what, Ruby, this is an, I'm glad you bought this up and verified what I've known to be true my whole life. Um, the worst racism I've ever seen have always been Latinos among other Latinos, black yeah. towards other black. Absolutely. Um, hell, at you least, could even say at least in terms of like in terms of like the kind of casual racism you experience every day, you know, or straight up discrimination. Yeah. Because it's, it's fucking rough. It's ridiculous. I was talking to my fucking sister, um, like a week ago. What the fuck was it? This happens all the time with my mom. I was sitting talking to my sister about some shit. Cause we were fucking working on something and, Oh no, that's what it is. So I'm applying for like a grant. Cause I need rent assistance. Cause I'm broke. Mm-hmm. Irrelevant point. The woman who my sister knows because she does taxes. So she knows like everybody in the city and the woman who works for the city, who she told me to communicate with about the grant. Her name is Maliqua Carter. She's black. And what the fuck did she say? She was like telling me about her. And she was basically, she's like, she's actually like really nice. And this, that after pointing out that her name was ethnically black. And I'm like, why'd you, why'd you say that like that? you know, black people can be nice. And she's like, yeah, but black people in Cuba are not nice. And I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) Where the fuck did that come from? This bitch hasn't even been to Cuba in like 20 something years. I don't, it's so fucking weird. Her brother is black. Our brother's Mm -hmm. fucking black. It's so weird. And my mom does that kind of shit all the time. Like she meets a black person. She's like, yeah, they were actually really nice. You know, and I'm like, what do you mean? They can be, why are you like this? I don't understand. <laughs> it's, but, but you see, like, but, but, but how do you refute it when it comes from the source? Like, it, it's, 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 it's tricky. And, and, and you know what? Um, uh, even, even if it's just like, all right, all right. Like, I know this is going to sound like out of line, but like, if you want to talk about white on white discrimination, look at the fucking Balkan Wars, for God's sake. Like, look at what, what, what England has done to Ireland for centuries. Look at what, and it's weird. Like, Ruby, this is going to sound messed up, but I've always wanted to show footage of, like, the Balkan Wars or, like, the Irish War of Independence and screen it in the hood and then just, like, hopefully have the audience go, like, man, honkies be crazy. Like, <laughs> I've, always, I've always wanted to show people in the hood, like, footage i've always wanted to show people in the hood something like portlandia and be like yeah this is a documentary people actually live like this in fact (laughs) you you probably see them buying up buildings in your neighborhood don't you um but no um uh i I think um 
I think uh, I think we're going to see a return to the Morehouse paper bag test. Like, like, do you know what that is? I do not. Okay. Uh, Morehouse is a historical uh, black college. All right. Mm-hmm. I think it was America's first uh, black college. I could be wrong, but um, to get into certain fraternities, black people were policing other people's blackness in terms of skin tone. Mm-hmm. Where to join a fraternity, they would you would have to hold out your arm, and they would put a paper bag next to it. And if you if the paper bag was lighter than you, you weren't allowed in. Okay. <laughs> That's the Morehouse paper bag test. Uh-huh. It's been around since like the fucking 30s. In fact, no, 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 no. I'm, I, let, let's, let's settle this. Hold on. Uh, Google.com. Thank you, Global Algorithm Driven Marketing and Surveillance Mind Control Grid. Um, or what Grift calls the Panopticon. The Panopticon, uh, of course. Shout outs to Grift. Respect the Grift and go to Grift.shop. As always. Uh, also, uh, um, uh, when, uh, when I was hanging out with Grift last night, uh, I was talking about how, like, you know, uh, if, if, if what you're doing has substance or merit, it will rise to the surface one way or another, you know? So, like, um, when people come out the woodworks, like, for example, like, uh, um, I was joking with Grift about how, like, Grift was doing his thing, and you did the equivalent of emerging out of the woods with a bell like a town crier wearing a shop sandwich board <laughs> and like and like no one no one asked you to do this you just emerged out the woods one day and it was like all right she's cool let her in like oh you were same, talking about me how nice well because well, we were talking about well not we were talking of you the same way how like a uh, nuclear circus just showed up at the front door of my building one day and like i'm like what's that what's that circus music coming from outside my building and i look outside and it's this like it's a gang of chimps on ipads making <laughs> art, you know and i'm like all right let them in i'll make coffee like it's so i just like you know like if what you do has merit people will fuck with it i guess is the point i'm trying to uh-huh. make. so like it was really endearing how like you know like like um uh ruby is the kind of public relations people would pay to have like a, a shoddy third rate version of um and like <laughs> and like just like and like the 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 things that are behind what nuclear circus uh puts together at light speed like that stuff money can't buy so no 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 i'm just i'm just segueing so i could buy time and look up the morehouse paper bag text but <laughs> but, but, but you're but Ruby, you're an absolute delight and i'm just glad i'm just glad you're on our side all right of course um Hold on, Morehouse paper bag test. Okay, so paper bag skin test. The brown paper bag test is a term in African-American oral history to describe a colorist discriminatory practice within the African-American community in the 20th century, which an individual skin tone is compared to the color of a brown paper bag. Um, And so so, uh, what, wait, okay. So it was black people holding the bag up to other black people to join their frats? Well, basically it was black people uh, make, uh, it it, it was black people drawing lines in the sand of skin tone in terms of blackness. Kind of like the black people version of like dark skinned Latinos throwing around the word white, you know, because they're just angry and shitty Mm -hmm. and salty. 
Although mm-hmm. there are a few very valid points about that. Like, okay, okay. Just hear me out. I'm putting a pin on this for a second. Um, I've, I've seen people I went to high school with that I later saw. Like, let's say I'm, I was like back in the days of when people used to work in offices, okay? I remember one time I was, uh, okay, like there was a, there was a woman that came from Colombia and she had like black hair and green eyes and she straight up looked like a white woman. But like mm-hmm. she, she was Colombian, all right? And she was, um, I remember her parents put her in regular classes instead of the ESL classes because her parents didn't want her talking with an accent. Right. Know? So um, I remember catching a glimpse of her when I was on my lunch break somewhere. And like, she kind of had this look like she was with like four honky looking motherfucking white people and her and she just blended in just right. But like I, I, I saw her and she saw me and she kind of had this look in her face like, please don't blow my spot. Like I've settled in with the white people and I like here. Please don't talk to me in Spanish. Like that was like that's what I felt like the look she gave me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, you know, I get it. There are a couple of valid gripes about the things a white passing Latino can deal with as opposed to like, you know, a Latino that is very clearly not even white or Latino looking like they like, like Celia Cruz, for example. Right. In fact, Celia Cruz considered herself, hold on. Uh, she considered herself black before she considered herself Latino. And I will find, I will, I'll find a quote on this. Hold, hold your, hold on. <laughs> okay. Hold on, hold on. Celia Cruz. Hold on. Celia Cruz. <clears throat> While ethnically Hispanic, Cruz is of Black African racial descent. See Kwame Anthony Apia and Henry Louis Gates Jr. from Africana 2005, calling her a Cuban-born African-American vocalist. Also, Alan West Duran, African Caribbeans, published in 2003, page 67, calling her Afro-Cuban. All right? So take Celia Cruz, for example. Uh, mind you, one of the baddest bitches to have ever walked planet Earth. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she considered herself black before considering herself Latina because when you look at her, what do you see? A black woman, you know. So um, all these. So 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 to bring it back, the Morehouse paper. Well, the Wikipedia article kind of tries to make it seem like it was this insidious thing back in the day of slavery which like i get it like you would see mulattoes in the house more often than you would see mulattoes out in the field right mm-hmm. right uh and and the, the the wikipedia article is trying to make it go through like you know um colorism and blah 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 which which are valid points but then but then here we go all right Some historically black colleges and universities used color tests as a way to critique candidates for admission. A person's skin tone could affect whether they were admitted to a top school. For instance, Audrey Eliza Kerr refers to colleges requiring applicants to send in personal photos. Kerr mentioned how this practice took place at popular HBCU, historically black colleges and universities, Howard University. Howard University. Dr. Arnold relayed a care story concerning a young woman at Howard. Dr. Arnold heard colorism was a factor when it came to admission to Howard. Discrimination was also practiced by fraternities and sororities. 
whose members self-selected others like themselves, generally those reflecting partial European ancestry. Multiracial people who had also been free before the American Civil War attempted to distinguish themselves from the mass of freedmen after the war who appeared to be mostly of African descent, which had been confined to slavery. So you see, yeah, even the Wikipedia article keeps trying to tie it back. Hell, I'm convinced if I keep scrolling down, the fucking Wikipedia article is going to tell me. And then they blew up the thing at Tulsa, which has nothing to do with the shit, but like evidently has been resurrected in the fucking meta of Black American history. The point I'm trying to make is this. The Morehouse paper bag test. We will live to see a revival of this. All right. And this only further proves my point. How, like, Ruby, isn't it sad that you'll see Dominicans who swear that the reason their skin tone and their hair is anything other than black blood? Like, because, like, the dynamics of race among, again, the worst is always Latino among Latino, white among yeah. white, black among black. And, like, Dominicans are kind of a sad self hating case because it's like, no, 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 papi, no soy negro. And it's like, bro, you're blacker than Wesley Snipes. You don't get to play this game with me, right? <laughs> like, it's so, it's so, ay, ay, ay. Um, but, 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 but the point is this. Before I round up my TED Talk coming off as a, new, as a neurotic, race-obsessed man, because, hey, all mixed-race people are hung up on race, whether they like it or not. It's yeah, you're still trying to like, find yourself in that sense. Well, because, like, Ruby, my parents divorced when I was five. So, like, I grew up speaking Spanish and eating things cooked with sofrito. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, uh, yeah, I was baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church. I know just enough Greek to get around. But, like, I don't, like, I, I, I was raised in a Latino household. I am a product of, like, a Latino family. Mm-hmm. You know? Abuelo and abuela were part of my, like, you know, um, my formative years that large extended familial unit. And even where you have like tios and tias that aren't even related to you, but they've known you since you were in your mother's womb, that whole ordeal, you know, um, that that's what I grew up with. So then like, I feel like there were things I had to reconcile, you know, like there were things I kind of had to figure out on my own. And I'd like to think I came out the woods untouched mostly. But now that's a permanent hangup when I see other people deal with race, you know, like hell, by virtue of being Latina, you, you carry these things that are like a part of you with forever, you know, Yeah, of course, because and like and I think and while we're on topic, like I know I, I know this is supposed to be a Spider-Man podcast, but we're talking about <laughs> listen, 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 uh, this is the whole point of the podcast. All right. I'd like to believe. Um, no, of course. Like, I mean, Ruby, shit. I, I, look, I don't love, worry. Love... You finish your you finish your rant. Mm-hmm. I have a way to tie this back to Spider Man, and specifically this Spider Man. By the time we're done, don't worry. You keep going. Good, good, because that, that, you see, Ruby, that's why you're on board. Um, uh, uh, Ruby, I hope this podcast turns into like the way George Romero would use the zombies, but as a platform to discuss and present everything else, like. Hey, land of the dead, but we're going to talk about class and haves and have nots and how money can't stop everything from like crawling up over the castle walls, you know? So, so I, I, I'd like to round this out with um, I think, you know, like as a Latina, Ruby, you witnessed and experienced and lived certain things firsthand, okay? 
being mm-hmm. born and raised in Queens, I saw and lived and experienced, you know, like, not, I can't say I saw and experienced the same things, but like, you know, I think like, like two Vietnam vets, you and I saw enough of the similar shit, you know? So like, uh, in conclusion, I haven't come across many white people who exude, I'm super aware of the black struggle without coming off as disingenuous. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm right. You know, I'm right. Of course. No, I'll give it to you. Of course. (laughs) God, what a trip. (laughs) Oh, God. No, it's um, now to pat myself on the back, the loose connection. Um, And feel free to opine. I, uh, I was watching, um, I was watching uh, Spider-Man just now and I kind of catch up on it. And I, something, a thought that's constantly coming into my head that I just make fun of the movie for to myself. Uh, so Norman played by Willem Dafoe is uh, in the, in the comics and in most of the cartoons uh, and any, any kind of depiction of the character that isn't like, supposed to be photorealistic you know mm-hmm. he's he's given the uh what i can only describe as a uh a cultural cross stitch of of an appearance in that he's a white guy and he's you know your your typical businessman uh, type but he's got ginger cornrows <laughs> that are implied to be genetic because his son Harry has ginger cornrows, a fucking ridiculous haircut that, you know, looks really weird on a white guy's face, but was the, was the, the, albeit very thin, but only string I could get to tie back into our uh, lengthy Ah. and philosophical discussion on race (laughs) relations and the, and, and their cultural ties. I'm glad I'm glad you bring this up because no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat the dead horse made up of race into a fine powder. Just you wait, Ruby. I don't know how aware you are of comics uh, or how into them you are, but have you noticed how gingers and redheads have slowly been like uh, there's like ginger erasure in comics? Like, do you know about this? No. Okay. What do you mean? Uh, okay, so characters that have traditionally and historically been portrayed as gingers are slowly being erased and like for example like mary jane is no longer a honky with red hair she's now a not honky with not red hair uh that that kid that used to be a reporter for the daily planet uh jimmy whatever his name is Mm -hmm. superman he used to be like a scrawny ginger kid now he's a scrawny not white not ginger kid and like i am not i'm not turning this into like uh redhead people need rights and they're an endangered species but like it's really weird how like hold on let me see if i could find something uh so let's see if google can prove me not being an insane racist asshole uh (laughs) comics ginger erasure here we go uh right out the gate just comics ginger erasure uh, let's see. Uh, even uh, Annie, Little Orphan Annie, Little Orphan Annie is now a black girl with curly hair. Uh, Jimmy, the guy who was the Daily Bugle, what have you, uh, is a bald black guy. April O'Neil is now a black woman. Uh, Ariel, 
from Little Mermaid is now played as by a black woman. Uh, the redhead dude from GI, the redhead dude from GI Joe, uh, he's a black dude. Um, oh, from this the happens redhead girl. Because as as we all know, redheads are the most persecuted minority. Okay. They are historically the most forgettable. Oh. They're the most sidelined group of people. So is they're this pretty like easy a, to erase. It, is this like a weird dig at the Irish? Uh, <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here, I th- here I thought you were some angry uh, Cuban pro-loyalist, uh, go, go firebomb the provost kind of gal. I'm glad you're not. So, so hear me out. Uh, the redhead chick from Josie and the Pussycats, no longer a redhead chick. Uh, Electro, who used to be a black guy, is now who used to be a redhead, is now Jamie Foxx. So I'm just saying redhead erasure is a real thing. Oh, uh, the character Idris Elba plays in the Thor movie. In the comics, he was a redhead, but now he's a Idris Elba. Which, the again, redhead sure- to black recast pipeline is real. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> listen. Listen. It, it, just take a moment to 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 type in uh, "redhead erasure comics." I beg of you, Ruby. Please, just so just so you could stop smiling politely and be like, "This fucking bigot won't shut up about race." What's his deal? Uh, uh, all right. Uh, all right. All right. If there's ever, if there's ever, if you have album art for each podcast. There's a painting you should have where it's like a guy in a Klansman outfit at a Klan rally, and you see the Klan rally happening in the back, but he's eating Chinese takeout with chopsticks, and his hood is halfway raised, and the caption is, can't hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You're making, make, always making sure to give quali- qualifying statements to your, to your, uh, to your little tangents up. It's yeah, good. I try. It's, it's- I try. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no I'm, now i'm like oh my god now i'm gonna spend like hours looking into this redhead thing that's honestly very interesting like i'm that's so weird like that can't be coincidental it's all <laughs> it's all fucking on purpose man it's all oh god <laughs> oh shit oh man i'm glad i'm i'm really glad i had you on to <laughs> to give us such such uh, esoteric TED talks, I'd like to think. Oh, it's 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 my it's my pleasure, Ruby. Um, I, I t- thank you for taking time out of your out of your afternoon to have me. Um, this is something this is something I was looking forward to doing, partially because you were like, oh yeah, you could just talk about whatever as long as you make sure you cover <laughs> Spider Man, and I'm like. She can't be fucking serious. And then it turns out you were so serious. I yeah. was almost unprepared. <laughs> yeah. It's my show. I don't fucking care. Look, mm. I like, okay. I know, like, realistically, uh, the the most likely audience for this show will be fans of Spider-Man. If and if if I know any of them, there isn't one alive who has not seen this movie. I think it's okay to go on a bit of a tangent at times like this, you know. Maybe when I'm maybe when I'm doing super specific uh, subjects that aren't, you know, recapping old movies, that'd be different. But this felt like a good a, a good stage for you to really really let loose, and I wanted to give you the opportunity. That means a lot to me. I, <laughs> I well, because because listen, um, um, 
If I put on the mask, I could sing and dance in an abandoned gas station until sunrise. Like I, I, I could run my mouth until like um, the, my salivary glands run out or until like I have to sit down for five minutes. But like, but it's got to be something I want to talk about. Of course. And it's got to be something like, you know, I enjoy discussing. And uh, I, I and honestly, uh, to have me speak on behalf of Queens for the greatest thing to ever. Well, the greatest fictional character to ever come out of Queens other than Archie Bunker. Um, it was a pleasure to be on and to run my mouth. And you know what? What meant the world and more to me is that I ran my mouth and at no point did you go, can you like shut up? I don't know what you're talking about. That's kind of like, that's kind of, uh, do, do, do you need an adult? Like at no point, at no point did I ever, like because like Ruby, what, what I don't understand is how like I've been saying and writing what I've been saying and writing for most of my waking adult life as is. And it wasn't only until the past few years that it went from like, um, wow, that's interesting to like be on my podcast. And I'm like, okay, like I just, <laughs> you're fucking, do you know what I'm about? Are you sure? Like who put you up to this? But you know, this was, this was delightful. And unfortunately not every podcast appearance is as fun as me being on um, the spider cast. So I really of appreciate course. this and I would love to come back and round out two and three and hell whenever just have me on to argue, to yell about the fucking Spider-Man cartoon. I'll do it. Um, sure. Uh, just, Why not? Just, uh, listen, as long as Queens is on the map, you know where to find me. All right. Ruby? Of course. Of course. Find you at queenstrash.com, Obviously. Yes, come by, come by at twitter.com slash 718tv. Find me on twitter.com slash 718tv. And ladies and jerks, if you've gotten this far, every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can catch my friend and I do our public access nonsense live at twitch.tv slash monoxus. M-U-N-O-X-X-U-S. And Ruby, don't worry, you're unbanned from chat. Please Yay. stop calling our. Please stop calling the guests of honor. Come on, uh, British slang for cigarettes. I didn't call him a faggot. What do you mean? I didn't say that. I called him. Oh, a you pussy. called him a pussy. That's uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That that's totally fine to call the guest of honor. Come on, he's. he's... I was riffing. I was riffing. But okay, fair. I Ruby, this is a workplace. Cross. <laughs> Ruby, this is over. No, you can't. You can't do that. You can't say that to me. No, 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 you can't. You can't tap the sign on me. <laughs> okay, deal. deal. Oh, uh, uh, um. Uh, uh, where can people? I know it's your podcast, but like, uh, no, listen. Feel uh, free. You, feel free. Say the can, line. You, you can find the psychic residue of Ruby on Twitter at Pussy Jihad. There you you can also find her psychic residue dripping with delight at grift.shop the busana collection the busana collection is worth your eyes and ears all right ladies and jerks that's right that's right thank you thank you for doing my plugs and of course the show itself is on wherever i can get it to fucking work i guess it was supposed like you know i'm not gonna go on about it point is there's a link tree on the bio of the show and it, you know, pick and choose as you wish uh, and, and consume the show on whatever media device you consume all your other slop with, please. Uh, thank you 
so much for joining me, Haynes. And thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. I will be back with Haynes, if you'll join me, for the second Spider-Man and, of course, the third uh, in the coming weeks. Ladies and jerks, yo me te quiero mucho. Gracias por escucharnos. Te queremos, te amamos. Hablando todo lo mierda abajo del Gracias. Hablamos más tarde. Chao.